All right, what up, bitch? What's up, bro? Um, so, welcome back to Killer Crime and Sister Time. Um, I'm Sydney. I'm Liberty. You're catching on. I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> Progress is being made <laughs> on the intro. Um, how have you been, homie? Busy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my work won't schedule me. They won't schedule you? I, I don't have a schedule. I don't. Why? So, you know, Sunday is the beginning of the financial week. Right. I just checked my schedule this morning when I woke up. There's fucking nothing there. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm going to call today. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> I also got an interview at Starbucks, which I did on Thursday, but she hasn't called back yet. But you know, it's okay. Isn't that when you broke out in hives? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have, I know podcasters can't see me, but I have a hive like the size of like the top part of your thumb on the top of my foot right now. And it itches so bad. (laughs) And oh, also we never figured out what I was allergic to, by the way. So life is lovely. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, when I broke out in hives, it was definitely the antibiotics I was taking. Yeah, no, I have no clue what it is. My ears were like double the size. My whole neck was one hive. Like it was crazy. Like I've never reacted to anything like that before. And I'm and I'm a pretty like not allergic person. Like right. I have allergies that I know of. That's so yeah. crazy. I know. So, well, this is also part medical mystery, guys. <laughs> you can well, figure out what you're doing. Exactly. How are you, Ben? Uh, also busy. Yeah. Okay. I also, so like, I'm getting my own clients. So, I have like. Hoo-hoo. Yeah, so I, like, have my own clients at work, and then um, on top of that, I just started my bar application, Mm. Um, and fun fact, you have to know, so I'm applying for the Washington bar, and then I'll just transfer it to Kansas and Missouri because they have military spouse exceptions. Right. Um, I literally had to remember every single address I've lived at in the past 10 years. With how many times we've moved? Right. How did you figure that out? I don't even remember, Yakult. Yeah, I called dad and I was like, help me. And so he gave me all of our addresses that he could remember. And then I had to like, obviously I lived in like dorms and sorority houses. And so I had to like go and find those. I forgot about that. I was like, fuck, this sucks. That's hella weird. Yeah, right? So, and then now I have to do all my employers of the past 10 years. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, has that, has that been a lot though? Um, okay, let's see. Cell phone store, Macy's. I forgot when you worked at that cell phone store. Yeah, cell phone store, Macy's. An RA. Um, I worked for housing and dining at WSU too. Um, I need to get a job once I get there. 
yeah I mean I didn't my freshman year um housing and dining and then I also did um I came back and Ulta Ulta and then I did um and then I was an admissions ambassador and then it also wants you to include your internship so I worked at the public defender and then also private criminal defense so seven or eight jobs in the last 10 years you are all over the place bro and so I have to put all their contact information so like oh god (laughs) yeah Jesus Christ they're gonna call like live it mobile and be like hey do you remember Sydney I have no goddamn clue who that is is because it's been 10 years been 10 years oh my god how old do you feel actually it hasn't been 10 it's been because I was 18 so it's it's been seven but still how old do you feel yeah (sighs) knowing that you were 18 seven years ago (laughs) please let's not talk about it (laughs) like I'm literally almost off to college like it feels like two seconds ago you're so old I know it feels like two seconds ago you and your friends were beating the crap out of me dramatic code red what'd you do did you lose your (gasps) nose ring yeah if i just catch it with my nail it just the the bitch just comes out (laughs) an absolute disaster yeah technical difficulties one second folks all right actually not technical just kind of I got physical difficulties. Physical difficulties. I want my hoop back, but every time I go to the mall to have them change my piercing, they're like, oh yeah, it's an hour and a half wait. I'm like, no. You have to go to the mall to have them change your piercing? Uh just to do a hoop because I'm I can never figure out how to put a hoop in by myself. Oh. So do you go to that like uh tattoo shop in the mall? Yeah, that's who pierced my nose. Gotcha. I almost went there for a $13 tattoo on Friday the 13th, um, but I didn't like any of their flash tats, so I went to a different one, and that's how I got my ribs done. (laughs) I don't, I don't really, I I mean, this is just a personal preference, I don't really like their art very much, I don't like the style. Yeah, and we didn't either, so there was like a group of four of us, and we all went to a different tattoo shop and like south vancouver like almost portland kind of vibe and that and then i loved the artist who did my ribs so i actually want him to do the other side of my ribs for a personal tattoo but the last friday the 13th i'm pretty sure kaylin and katie went to the tattoo shop you're talking about so it's like a pretty popular one and uh got their belly buttons pierced oh really i almost went with them but i just couldn't do it dude i think belly button piercings are so cute but i just could never I don't know if I wanted that though because I have to take I'm gonna have to take it out for the military like yeah you will yeah I'm gonna have to take this guy out also, like everyone's like I've seen people reject theirs and so their body pushes out the piercing Ugh, it's so gross remember when I got splinters in my ass and <laughs> pushed out <laughs> fun story in like preschool we lived in Montana and I, I don't know why there was a wooden slide, but I'm sliding on this wooden slide, and oh, I got chips that were on the slide. Oh yeah, and I got like long, like a solid two inch splinters in my ass, and then I thought I got them out, and then we moved to Washington, 
and then like third grade I have this like black spot on my ass like it looks like someone like direct punched me in the cheek she like slid down the stairs on her butt and all of a sudden it awoke this monster in her ass in my ass <laughs> I had to, like cut my butt open and like take him out and this bitch was having a panic attack you know I can't do needles and shit like that and they're like okay we're just gonna cut your butt open and she starts it was so bad. It was scary, bro. But then they pulled out like three splinters from her butt. Oh yeah, that was so funny. It was so funny. I wish I had like expensive taste back then, so I could really have milked situations like that and like gotten things. Yeah, you could have gotten like a pair of Lulus or something. When I got my chin thing cut off, I got a pair of Lulus. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm hoping if I get my scholarship, I'll get like more Lulus. <laughs> The only reason I want that military scholarship. So I can win free Lululemon. Free Lululemon. Because <laughs> then I'll have more money <laughs> to do things. Valid. All right. Uh, this week's episode is Crazy Cult Leaders. Um, so, yeah. Very excited. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Or... Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, so I'm kind of, I mean, like I did in, like, our first episode, I kind of like to start with the basics, then fill in all the crazy information. So, God, I took a lot of notes. Very minute notes are plenty. My notes are plentiful. (laughs) So, I decided to do someone pretty famous, but, like, you know, I just know, like, not a lot about him, so I just thought it'd be cool to, like, do research. I decided to do Jim Jones. Love it. Just some basic, but you know, yeah. Um, That's a cult leader. Yeah, like the most infamous cult leader. Yeah. So, Jim Jones was born May thirteenth of nineteen thirty one in Indiana, and that's where he lived like most of his life. Um, his dad was James Thurman Jones, and his mom was Lynetta Jones. Her uh, surname was Putnam or whatever you call it maiden name thank you um his dad wasn't very interested in him and his mom worked a lot so I think that kind of stemmed some behavior of like you know abandonment kind of um he was a self-proclaimed messiah so he you know he thought he was this big old prophet you know big guy of the people's temple um that was what he called his church and um, the end goal was that he promised his followers some sort of heaven or euphoria if they followed him. So, you know, this promise of a big life. Um, right. They draw. So the whole time I'm researching this, I'm thinking, how did he convince like almost a thousand people to just like, you know, follow him? I mean, like um, I also in my research, I saw that it was not a mass suicide. It was a mass murder. Like he manipulated these people like. I will say that. I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but, like, also, he had, he did, like, tests, and he had people, he knew who weren't going to take it based on the tests that he did, and, Mm -hmm. like, forced them to do it is what they think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So, the people probably could have just thought it was, like, you know, another one of his dry runs. So, yeah, no, it was a mass murder. Those people did not choose that for themselves. Right. So... 
self-proclaimed messiah, um, just a crazy mofo. Um, what I read is that he struggled for years. He had a couple like odd jobs, including a door-to-door monkey salesman. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Oh, also, um, the oh. little. <laughs> I just have so many questions for like a pet store because apparently in the '60s you could just buy monkeys in Indiana. <laughs> Honestly, what a wild ride. Yeah. Oh, also the coal. You know how, like, in the end, they lived in uh, South America? Yeah. They had a pet monkey. So, I mean, I think that's Probably where... Probably door sales? I believe so. That's I... what I read. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but... <laughs> no, you're right. I want to know, though, how many monkeys he sold. Yeah, like, was he good at his job? Right. What are the stats <laughs> on the monkey sales? On <laughs> the monkeys sold, so probably not that good. <laughs> he... From what I read, he was kind of interested in religion, like, his whole life. Like, he started his own journey at, like, 10 years old. And, like, he went to, like, a bunch of different churches with, like, family members. Or, not family members, like, friends. Because I th- from the vibe I got, like, I think he was with friends a lot and, like, other adults. Because I don't think his parents were, like, super present. I think his mom was working. And right. his dad didn't really care. So, he started preaching to little kids like when he was little like oh he that's took, not creepy yeah he like took all of the collective information he'd been learning from going to multiple churches yeah and he started like preaching to little his like peers you know oh yeah um people quotes are saying that uh i thought jimmy was a really weird kid a friend of mine told me that he saw Jimmy kill a cat with a knife. So yeah. he was experimenting on animals. And so Just he always how it starts. Yep. Yep. He, yeah, he was experimenting on animals. He was giving like sermons to other children. And even when he was a teenager, he did that. So he didn't like drink and do all those kinds of things. Cause he was, you know, I'm a religious man. Loser. For- <laughs> And what, and what, yeah, for real, like, you know, (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) And so the thing that drew people into this cult was that um, his goal for his church was he wanted racially integrated services. He was a very progressive, idealistic man, and that drew in a lot of people of color. And progressive murderer. Yeah, exactly. So, like, people were like, oh, he's progressive. He wants to include everybody. Everybody's equal. Everybody was equal, but to a really weird extent. He right. said at one point that everybody was... <laughs> Sorry. So weird. Oh, no. Everybody was gay, and he was the only straight man. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> so, was he gay and, like, trying to cover it by saying just everybody was gay? Stuff with some of his male um people so <gasps> yeah um so <laughs> the only straight one and the only straight man <laughs> all of you are gay <laughs> i mean everything's a spectrum homie but i don't think it's like that <laughs> yeah no i mean like do we really gotta label ourselves I also don't think you get to choose for everybody else. But, yeah. Um. 
<laughs> so, Weirdest so yeah, he, he had a bunch of odd jobs. Um, he entered the ministry in 1952 and started with a job as a student pastor in a mostly white town of Indianapolis at the time. Um, he wanted to... He started earning a rep of a weird healer and evangelicist and that like, you know, started growing. He was like weird, you know, like one of those like crazy, like, ooh, kind yeah. of masters. Yeah. Like, but, um, or, like having fits in his like. Yeah, like snakes in the church kind of shit. All right. All right. <laughs> and he um, kind of left. So he was a student pastor at this church and he's left this church because he wanted to make this church that he was a pastor at uh, racially integrated, but you know, it's a mostly white town. And in the sixties segregation was, or in the fifties segregation was still a thing and people didn't want that. They were like, you know, they have their own church. We have ours. Um, He then branched out. So his church, the one that he created started off as the wings of deliverance church. That's just creepy as, hello already i am scared <laughs> and he started that in um oh i didn't write down the year but he started that and then in 1955 he changed it to the people's temple okay. so that's what it ended up being in the long run um i don't know if it's because i know what it ends up being but that still sounds creepy to me <laughs> yeah, no that still sounds creepy um but you know the people's temple it sounds like you know oh a nice progressive society like socialist ideals yeah i probably shouldn't say that we don't need to give them a reason to think socialism (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i'm kidding guys um (laughs) he was still living in indiana at this time if i'm pretty sure he bought an am station on the radio to broadcast his sermons Oh, good, because everybody else needs to hear Jim Jones. Everyone else needs to hear them. Um, so he's just starting out. Um, mid sixty, Jones and his cult moved to Northern California, and about 100 people moved with him. So from, I believe, Indiana to um, Northern California. From what I read in this, okay, I read this Rolling Stones article. It was really, really good about him. Um, and from what I read in this article... He read in a paper or a magazine that Eureka, California was like one of the nine best places to be in like a nuclear war attack. And he was really paranoid about that. Yeah. So he was like, oh, like if I move here, like this is going to be like, you know, like I'll be super, super safe. Right. So, yeah. Um, He was hella weird. Of course. They lived in the back with groceries, so. (laughs) grocery bitch (laughs) he is my grocery bitch so heavy (laughs) okay anyway so yeah in 55 he founded the people's temple in indiapolis um the church again that stood out for its multiracial membership which was quite revolutionary because you know segregation was still a thing right was an Esquire article that said the nine safest places in the world in the event of a nuclear catastrophe. One of those was cited as Eureka, California. Uh, was, you know what we need to scope out? The safest places to be if we get nuked. Like, yeah. Who- <laughs> yeah, Jesus, like it was the 60s too. Like, was that really like a huge threat? 
Um, he persuaded his congregation that they needed to leave for California and warned of a nuclear attack that would happen on July 15th, 1967. Not sure why, just a random date. So. <laughs> it, and if it didn't happen on that day, he was going to choose another one and say that, oh, oh, it got pushed back, you know? <laughs> yeah, for real. So his congregation started kind of expand like all over California. And since they didn't have like a compound yet, he had like, um, branches in like san francisco los angeles by the mid 70s that's how far his like reach had gotten um and they moved to the redwood valley in northern california very pretty place though exactly and the people that followed him they kind of lived in like small towns all surrounding there okay they all just meet up and stuff great um many people gave him money prized possessions the things off their backs and their pockets and um because it was for the common good. That's what he'd convince Very charismatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, every psychopath is, or every, uh, whatever you call someone who doesn't have emotions and kills cats when they're kids. Right. Um, also, he had a very weird policy on, like, sex and stuff. It was, like, no sex in the cult, like, except him. Like, he could have sex, but well, no one else he could. He's also the only straight one, so, like... The only straight man. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else. Everyone else is gay. Everyone else is gay. You know, nothing wrong with that, but if you're not, like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so it, from what I gathered, it was no one else could have sex except him. It was a very odd policy, and he wanted to disrupt family bonds and, like, structure because he was the father of all. So he thought to be God. Basically, yes. Okay. He was, like, the up-and-coming, like, you know, <laughs> all right Jesus. yeah nothing so myself more than saying you are the creator of all things yeah exactly and another thing I also read was like it wasn't even Jim that was the attraction of this cult it was the multiracial part it was the, it was the monkey but the multiracial part makes more sense exactly it <laughs> was the idea that like a something I read from here was um that a quote from someone said that, you know, like walking around and seeing black people and white people just talking and having conversation. And I'm like reading that thinking like, wow, is that really that crazy? But back right. then it was, you know, right. so, and it was just like crazy to see all that. I couldn't even imagine that being like a, you know, crazy wild thing. Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. This is a quote from, um, an ex-member it was amazing to be walking into a place and have african-americans really warming warmingly welcoming you and talking to you and sharing stories with you it was sweet so i mean after all that hatred and segregation i could imagine that would be sweet and something yeah. that you know was a breath of fresh air exactly if yeah when you crazy cold leader exactly yeah so, yes, an ex-Temple member said, Jim said that all of us were homosexuals. Everyone except him. He was the only heterosexual on the planet. And that women were lesbians. The guys were all gay. And so anyone who showed interest in sex was just compensating. <laughs> what? That is a quote. <laughs> who is this man? <laughs> 
So another ex-member said that Jones hated romantic relationships within the People's Temple because they were seen as a threat to the cause and that members should be focused on their work. So that's another, yeah, why he didn't like sex and family relationship values, all that stuff. Okay, I have a question. So he said he's the only one allowed to have sex. Was he having sex with people in the congregation? Yes, I believe so. Oh, so it's okay if they have sex, but only if it's with him. I believe so. I mean, it says that he was having sex with multiple people, but I'm not sure if they were all, like, in a relationship with him or... Or if they were just boning. Exactly. So, back to the chimpanzee a little bit. Mr. (laughs) Muggs was a chimpanzee Jim Jones claimed he had rescued from scientific experiments, though... Jones may have actually purchased mugs from a pet store. In his yeah. Indiana days, Jones once sold pet monkeys door to door. So he definitely like, got it from work. And he's like, I saved this animal. Hallelujah. Praise me. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, did he carry like multiple monkeys on him? And then like, you know. Right. Like what do you, you sell them? And that was like success. Without- like. Right. How do you sell a monkey without showing people that you actually have a monkey? A monkey. Yeah. Um, a sad end to Mr. Muggs's life is he was, um, on the day of Jonestown's last day, he was shot. No, Mr. Muggs! <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so sad. I'm sorry. It's so funny. We're not laughing that Mr. Muggs died. <laughs> yeah um out so uh a 1973 article from the temple reporter the church's publication only 18 months old um he mr muggs has the intelligence of a four-year-old it may sound anthropomorphic but muggs will follow every command of pastor jones and will defend him when anyone comes up casually to pet the chimpanzee so that's weird. i know <laughs> So it was really sad. Um, you don't own exotic pets because they're not pets. They are wild animals. Thank you for coming to my exactly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, don't own wild pets, guys. I, I think down of people that do that. Yeah. <laughs> so Jones. Thank you for coming. <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm. His whole life, Jones is like really paranoid and weird about things. So I'm thinking possibly he's like schizophrenic or maybe bipolar. I'm not sure, but you know he has something that's wrong with him because he grows really paranoid really fast and thinks that like everyone's against him. So in 1974, um, he moves his congregation to South America. He is like really disturbed at this point and um, moved like a thousand plus people to compound in South America. So he promised it like, you know, oh, we're going to live on this compound. We're all going to be homies, you know, just no sex and you're all gay. So (laughs) he actually ran this compound like a prison. He preached. So like he preached really creepy sermon like over the loudspeakers. Ew, stop. Imagine how terrifying that would be. Hard as This is where we talked about earlier. He ran suicide drills where he would wake people up in the middle of the night, then tell them, you drink this liquid, like, it's gonna kill you, but, like, you have to drink it, like, just drink this, and then tell them in 45 an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, it wasn't, it was a loyalty test. And he would do this, like, all the time. So, So 
Yeah. And in September of 77, Jones threatened mass suicide against the, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing this, but Guyanese government in South America. They were their own like state. Okay. Yes. So what started the whole, like what started the downhill slide was, um, Tim and Grace Stone were a married couple and followers of Jim Jones during the temple in the early years. Um, <laughs> Tim was an attorney for the temple. Grace was an inner member. And in 72, um, this couple have a son. So, um, what's his face? Jim Jones is like, I'm the dad. We have no goddamn clue if he's the dad. So, John Victor Stowen, who is, um, Grace's husband signs an affidavit over to Jim and is like, okay, like you're the dad. And basically like tells him he's the dad with no paternity test, you know, like legally the father. Um, Grace left the church in 1976 and she left her son with Jones because, you know, he was like a parent legally. And so like, she was she was afraid that she would be killed if she tried to take him and she was like i'll just come back for him so fearing for her life and john's were in danger she and tim left the church and tried to get john back through the u.s courts and by that time john was already in south america and refused to give this kid back they were like nope so um what you would call it? They, he's like, no, I'm not giving like this kid back to you. And this whole thing catches the attention of um, so the Guinea's government's like already super involved, and this whole thing catches the attention of a California congressman named. I wrote his name down. One second, Leo J. Ryan. Right. So. This whole thing catches this congressman's attention. And so November 18th, 1978, him and a camera crew of five go to South America and go into the compound. And while they're in there, they're telling everyone, like, if you want to leave, like, we will take you with us. Like, come with us tonight. Like, we will take you. And a little bit before this, he wrote a letter to Jim. Jim was like, yeah, like, come down, visit. Like, I'll show you what we're all about. It was like an NBC newscast. Like, this was, like, big. Um, When they try, so when they left that night, they get to the airstrip and they try to leave in a truck full of his, like, militia members pull up and shoot all of them. Five of them ended up dead. So he took some people with him, too. Um, He got a small group of people out. Because not exactly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't people, like, when Jim Jones would be gone, like, they'd slip him notes and shit saying, like, help. (laughs) Probably. I I only read a couple articles, and I didn't see anything about that, but I also didn't dive crazy deep. Yeah, I think they did. I think if people were, like, send help, (laughs) like, we need because it wasn't, like, a prison, like you said earlier, Exactly. Oh, yeah. And he also gave them minimal food, water, stuff like that to, you know, like, control them. Um, yeah. That's, like, a, did you know that's actually, like, a hostage technique? Like, right. not giving people, like, food and water to, like, keep them complacent and stuff like that? 
well, yeah, because if you don't give the, the basic necessities, you're not going to have the time and energy to. Exactly. Yeah. I just thought that was crazy. So. <laughs> Sorry. My husband's making food and I want. <laughs> I don't think he is making it for me, though. So that's good. No, no, Matt, just more disappointed. So, um, Leo Ryan, this congressman, was a Democrat and an unconventional politician. Um, he once, I'm just going to put a little backstory on him, he once got put in jail to see what prison conditions were like and went to Canada to investigate the hunting of baby seals. Just from hearing this, I kind of like the guy, just because that sounds crazy. Don't know what else he stood for, so can't make a full opinion yet. I kind of vibe with his you know yeah so he became involved in the people's temple because relatives of people that were at the compound were like yo like help right <laughs> my family yeah, members are like wow. <laughs> so he wrote a letter to jim jones requesting an invitation to visit um he actually jones and his followers said no but they actually took it back i'm not sure exactly why but he traveled to Jonestown, took several journalists and several relatives of Temple members so they could, like, see their family. Right. So during his visit, a few settlers told Ryan that they wanted to return to the States, and Jones saw that as an act of betrayal. So afterwards, when Ryan and the people that wanted to leave and the journalists, they were waiting at the Port Kaituma airstrip for planes to take them home. A truck arrived carrying Temple gunmen who then opened fire. When the shooting stopped, the congressman and four people were killed while several others were injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was like the start of like, I was like the crazy start of just going downhill fast. Um, this will, after the attack, Jones urged his more than 900 followers in Jonestown that they had to commit suicide or else the Guineas army will come in and take their children away. So he mixed um, cyanide with uh, cyanide and Valium, I believe. Yeah. In flavor aid, right? It was flavor aid, yeah. So Yes, cyanide and volume was mixed in great powdered flavor aid. Um, first wave, it was given to the children and the people who refused to drink. And um, people were forced by guards and shot if they didn't. Um, of all the people that died under 17, it was like 304 kids murdered. Yeah. Um, over 900 people died in Jonestown that day. Uh over 300 of them were kids right yeah and um he ended up being found shot whether he shot himself or whether he had his guards shoot him or something there are survivors of it there was an elderly black woman who i looked up like crazy facts and stories and this elderly black woman said that she slept through the whole thing because she like either went to sleep late or didn't feel good and woke up and everyone was dead. No, uh, this is not funny, but could you imagine just like waking up and you go to go outside, you're like, oh, what's for breakfast? And there's just 900 dead people. Yeah. 
there's like a video of like the police walking around and i was like oh my god just like kids like kids everywhere right just terrible i think um i think i'm i think i remember hearing this on like one of my the podcasts i listened to yeah um, that he like sent his son and like the basketball team away that weekend to like go to the capital city for a basketball tournament like he knew what he was doing yeah it was just yeah crappy and the child that um grace and her husband were trying to get back he ended up being shot and died Mm. so all of that was like you know for nothing and it was just terrible and sad um so a couple people escaped so there's a number of survivors on the morning um a group of 11 temple members including a mother and her three-year-old son walked 35 miles to escape and told the guards they were going on a picnic and just manipulated their way through they were just like oh we're just going on a nice wonderful picnic and just like kept going right um three other temple members uh were sent out on a mission by jim jones to aid aid to deliver a suitcase of money to the soviet embassy and there were many followers at the Temple Outpost in Georgetown and the Church's San Francisco headquarters who didn't heed Jim Jones' suicide order. So I'm pretty sure he told everyone to, and they were just like, no. Right. Yeah. Um, this lady, um, this was her quote. These were all of these dead there were all of those dead being put in bags people i'd known and loved god knows i never want to be there in the first place i never wanted to let Guyana die i didn't think jim would do a thing like that he let us down mm. yeah and it was just terrible i just uh like 300 like children like i just that's what grosses me out it's, like you know the adults obviously a lot of them did not want to be there anymore but like the adults initially chose to be there but those kids didn't choose to be exactly that sucks yeah so this is where it gets a little weird so um bunch of people so i'm just gonna read the paragraph so husband and wife alan Jeannie mills who were prominent defectors and opponents of jones were found murdered um, a crime that's still not unsolved. Paula Adams, a former Temple staff member, was murdered, along with her child, um, by her lover, a former Guinea's ambassador to the U.S., who then killed himself. A year later, Tyrone Mitchell, whose parents and siblings died in Jonestown, fired a rifle at a Los Angeles schoolyard, killing one person and injuring more than 10 others before fatally shooting himself. And Chad Rhodes, whose mother, Juanita, was pregnant with him in Jonestown, was charged in the killing of a police officer in Oakland. So, like, all of these people are just, like, it was just, like, a bunch of crime just connected to all these people. And I just wonder, like, what? I wonder if it's, like, all the trauma or something, you know? Like, like, was it manipulation? Like, yeah. But people that were, like, in the inner circle that, like, survived were being, like, murdered and, like, yeah. So crazy. The Jonestown massacre killed the largest number of American civilians in a non-natural event preceding the september 11th attacks so comes up second wow yeah terrible that is terrible so that's my cult leader good job so good and it was like you know what's funny is like i listened to like a few different podcasts and 
even still like the information you gave was I found out a little more than you know I've heard otherwise okay. and they've all covered you know Jonestown so it's I feel like every time there's something more that there's something new because it's right. just crazy right <sighs> all right so for my um cult leader I am doing Angel's Landing um I chose this cult because it's kind of close to like where I'm living now. Um, it happened in Wichita, Kansas. And my, what? I know I'd never heard of it either. And so like I Googled like the top like cults and I was between Jonestown and this one. And I was like, I should do something local. So um, this one is Angel's Landing Cult. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the name of a 20 acre compound outside of Wichita, Kansas. Jesus um and their cult leader is Lou Castro um and in the early 2000s he and a small group of followers were living um at the large compound and they were living like a large living large on this large ass compound they had like nice cars like forty thousand dollar cars and like yeah they were yeah they were living their best lives but cops were a little sus of them in the area because they had zero paper trail as to how they got this money like they didn't have jobs like they like jeffrey epstein (laughs) right so um as for lou his followers believed that he was an angel who could see the future and know when they were going to die. So that's not suspicious. No, not at all. <laughs> Sometimes I think like, how could people believe something like that? But when you're manipulated, like it's not like you know you're being manipulated. Right, like they're just that charismatic and like welcoming that you're like, oh, this is just an amazing person. And I should believe what they say because you know I'm not ever gonna victim blame I just think it's like crazy how someone could fall for that but at the same time I mean like people I mean it happens every day when you're manipulated so all the psychology that goes into it is just you know crazy so exactly um so Lou Castro um was also known as Daniel Perez which I think is his like actual name and he just changed it to Lou Castro um Um, and he was super charismatic you know as they are exactly as all psychopaths are yeah and he was super kind um at least he appeared to be um so like all the people who ended up following him were like oh he's so amazing and so sweet and nice um and then you know it's a crazy cult leaders episode so obviously that turned (laughs) um so as I kind of mentioned earlier he he claimed to be a hundreds year old angel um who needed to have sex with children or else he would die if you need to have sex with children like fucking let you die I don't know what to tell you (laughs) like And this was like the 2000s. Like you think people were a little more like 
up to speed right okay and then i took a screenshot of a quote i wanted to read um so this is from a uh heavy.com article and um it's just a quote from one of the children that he had raped um it says, I was 10 when my childhood was over. One, one witness said during her sen- during Lou Castro's sentencing hearing, while other 10-year-olds were riding bikes or playing with dolls, I was laying naked in a bed with a pillow over my head, just waiting for it to be over. While other 13-year-olds were getting boyfriends and holding hands, I was holding onto my secret and losing the people I loved one by one. When other 16-year-olds were experiencing the freedom of learning how to drive and planning parties with their friends, I was planning my own death every day when I drove to school. Jesus. Yeah. So I was just like, that's fucking heartbreaking. And why, if you need to have sex with children to survive, you are better off just not existing. So yeah. <laughs> um and the girls he raped ranged from eight to 16 years old. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. Poor babies. So um, the abuse that Castro inflicted on his followers and their children lasted over a decade from at least what we know of and what, you know, later comes out from at least 2001 to 2015. So 14 years of known violence and, you know, assault. God, this was like recent. Yeah, right? Um, so a little bit about the cults. Um, along with Castro being an angel who said he could, um, you know, know when you were going to die and that he was hundreds of years old and what have you. Um, he said he could heal the sick. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know, other than thinking he was an angel, I don't know whatever the fuck else they thought of him, but. a common theme between co-leaders, like healing the sick, like that, that's a really common theme. You see that like in almost every one. And you know what's wild too, like, you know, you mentioned in Jim Jones, like he thought he was like, you know, the ultimate being. And, you know, this guy kind of seems like he does too. I wonder if they know that it's easier to prey on people who want to be healed or people who have people that need to be healed, you know, like a wife or a husband of someone who's... Right, so they're holding like, that, like, last bit yeah. of and, Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> I don't know, man. But, um, yeah, other than that, I don't really know what their cult was based on other than just him being an angel. I don't know. Um, um, and like I previously mentioned again, what kind of thought the cops kind of thought was sus was that they had tons of money and no reason for having it. And um, they often moved from state to state, making their crimes like difficult to track, you know, or yeah. crimes rather. Um, and also his followers were mainly women. Ooh. So, Yeah. Which is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the compound caught police attention in 2003 for all this like suspicious money. Um, Like I said, they had like $40,000 cars, multiple houses, and a pool on the compound. 
um, which also a pool in Kansas, just, I mean, I guess in the summer, it's like hot as hell here, but I mean, like other than that, it's like constantly windy and it hasn't stopped snowing for like 12 years as of today. So <laughs> that's how I feel right now. We would love the snow right now. It's just shitty and muddy here. <laughs> no, it literally won't stop snowing. And then let me look at my weather forecast. Uh, next Saturday, it's supposed to be negative eight. So I hate it here. <laughs> You're living in like hell. <laughs> this is my personal hell. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So yeah, they caught police deten- attention in 2003 because of all this lavish living. Mm-hmm. And the police officer who like thoroughly got into investigating this he said something just didn't seem right um so the crimes um lou castro obviously wasn't working and sedgwick county sheriff's detective ron goodwin started to notice a pattern every two and a half years someone lou was close to would die so the Sedgwick County what? detective was like, that's weird. <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> weird. And then after um, this person would die every two and a half years, their bank accounts would just suddenly be replenished. <laughs> what? <laughs> so is that how they had no trail? Because he was using dead people's bank accounts? No, no, no. The Colts bank accounts would suddenly be replenished. Oh, oh. So, um, a skew of deaths, uh, or a slew of deaths, sorry, I can't even read my own handwriting, that's so fun. Um, A slew of deaths piqued the sheriff's interest in June of 2003. Um, This started with Patricia Hughes, And she fell into the pool and drowned. Um, And it later came out. um, A child, like, later came up to, like, testify and stuff against Lou. Because this child had actually seen Lou coming out of the pool soaking wet at the same time that this woman fell in, air quotes, and drowned. And drowned. But yeah. He was in the pool, so he couldn't help her, you know? Yeah, right? Like, motherfucker's just trying to get in a daily swim. Yeah, so, um, and then her husband, so this is like the slew of deaths we're talking. It started with Patricia in 2003, um, and then her husband starts complaining that he missed her, and um, Lou was like, oh, don't worry, you'll get to see her soon. And so he died in an accident at his job in March of 2006, roughly two and a half years later. So they're just running out of money every two and a half years? So um, he is taking out life insurance policies on the members of his cult and then just killing them off every two and a half years. Which like... I need to know, did he think that, like, I don't know, like, I need to know how a life insurance didn't be like, oh, it's weird that we keep depositing money in this one dude's account. Like, 
like fake names and stuff did he like under different he accounts had two names he had lou castro and daniel perez <sighs> so i don't know i don't know but the sedgwick county sheriff's detective was like he no. was something's weird <laughs> um so and then during this time that like these random deaths were happening every two and a half years. He was also raping Sarah McGrath, who was a child um, and telling her that every time he raped her, he was fixing her. So um, yeah, that's disgusting. Fucking terrible. Yeah, and then two and a half years later, after the death of Patricia Hughes' husband in September of 2008, Sarah's mother dies in a freak car accident. What the? F- she probably tried to speak out. Or, you know, like, he just needed more money and he chose Sarah's mom to leave her all alone and without anybody else. He did with her. <sighs> yeah, exactly. So, obviously, we have this detective on the case and he's really sus of... Lou slash Daniel and after Sarah's mother dies Sarah turned to her then boyfriend and now husband so that's cute Um, and which his name is Daniel and she told Daniel everything that you know Castro had been doing to her and Detective Goodwin um feared another murder so he started like really ramping up his investigation because you know now he's seeing this pattern he's like okay every two and a half years somebody dies so i have to like do something um okay um so in 2010 um like you know sarah's turned to her boyfriend and daniel and told him like oh like things have been happening here. Like I'm stressed. My mom's dead now. Exactly. Um, and in 2010, Daniel thought Sarah's family, AKA the cult was really mm-hmm. suspicious. And so he wrote to the FBI. So like shout out to Daniel coming in clutch. Yeah, um, she's calling him out. Right. And then on April 21st, 2010, Perez was arrested in Tennessee. Oh God. And he was charged with 28 felonies, including murder and rape, five and six. And in February of 2015, he was convicted on all counts and sentenced to 80 years in prison. And at this time, I believe he was like kind of older. So like 50s or 60s. So 80 years in prison, you know, it's just the rest of his life. Yeah, it's just the rest of his life. So, yeah. That is my cult. Oh, I'd also like to say that I got my sources from Cosmo, Heavy.com, and Oxygen. So I got my sources from Rolling Stone and uh, I can't remember the other one, but it was like a biography about him. It's like one of the first websites that come up. So shout out to you guys. <laughs> Rolling Stones article. That's some good looking out right there. <laughs> hey, I woke up really fast today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she you guys she woke up and then I texted her and I was like hey I have to do laundry real quick so like give me a little extra time and she goes 
don't hate me, but. <laughs> well, I didn't even know I was supposed to, like, I totally, I went to bed last night knowing I had something today and I couldn't remember what. So I was like, oh, I don't need to set an alarm. Like I woke up completely by chance. <laughs> so I was on, like, so not in our favor. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? We did it. We did it. I'm so proud. <laughs> we did it, Joe. Exactly. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> love her anyway <laughs> so yeah that's our crazy cult leaders yeah. uh, like comment you know give us suggestions of people send us your stories on instagram or email um rate review subscribe on itunes we're now on itunes um spotify. or podcast whatever it is spotify and yeah so hit us up exactly um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You got anything else? No, ma'am. Just thanks for listening, guys. Uh, DM, again, DM us or email us your stories about murderers, creepy things, or just things that have happened that you want to talk about because we like to talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Hometowns, things that have happened to you, um, you know, people you know or whatever. If you're Story willing to share them with us, please do. Yeah. Fun facts about famous things, you know, stuff right. you know ghosty stories i'm into ghosty stories i love know? ghosty stories yeah oh. literally send us anything like creepy or like remotely not yes weird. all right thanks guys thanks guys bye, bye. bye.